pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And it's that time once again for the Jack mm. Riccardi Show. Jack? Yeah, Jack in your box. <laughs> you didn't just say that. <laughs> I used to say that a long time ago. Uh, I don't know where that came from. I'll bet you did. It popped into my head. Mm-hmm. needs to pop back out again. <laughs> All right. Um, boy, I have a question for you later on, Christian, that I think you're going to like. Sounds good. But I'm not even going to hint at what it is now because I don't want to start this whole thing yet. I'll keep it in my box. <laughs> so you're going to have some work to do. That's right. Put it in your, put it in your box. Put it in your inbox. All right. Uh, well, uh, for starters, good afternoon. Welcome to our dreadful little show. And um, pretty interesting Back and forth at the European Parliament on Monday. I want to play this for you. This is a member of the European Parliament, a guy named Rob Rose, and an executive for Pfizer. In fact, one of the top executives at Pfizer. And I should tell you that Rose is a a guy who is uh, focused on the COVID-19 vaccine, the mandates for it, the, uh, basically he, he's, he's a skeptic about mandating it. He's a skeptic about what it did or could do. And he has, um, obtained a pretty interesting acknowledgement about the COVID-19 vaccine from this Pfizer executive. So I'm going to play the, the moment for you. This is him asking her, a question, cut number five. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. No. We did not know that the COVID-19, it, we did not know if the COVID-19 jab would stop transmission of the virus before it entered the market or marketplace. Now, uh, I will say, this is not the first time we have heard about this. Uh, our own FDA was saying in late 2020 that it didn't know or didn't have enough data as to how much protection the vaccine offered or for how long that protection would last. And Dr. Burks has said in her recent book that they knew from the start of the vaccination campaign that people with the jab could still transmit COVID-19. But you may remember that the way this all unfolded was we got the public service announcements, get the vax, get the vax, and then we had the massed troops of the public health state demanding that we get it, and then we started down a long list of ultimata and threats 
You could lose your job. You could get booted out of your school. You could uh, be barred from travel. You basically were expelled from the human race. If they could have put you in a rocket ship and fired you off into the ether, they would have. If you don't get the vaccine, you're the worst person. You're selfish and you're dangerous. And even if you don't think you're at risk, you could kill Granny. You could come home with COVID and kill Granny and not even know you were doing it. And it's interesting that she says the market, because when you think about a market or a marketplace, you think about shopping. Like maybe you go into a store, right, and you get a basket, and you look around. And maybe you buy stuff, and maybe you don't buy anything. You're free to leave without buying anything. That's a market. This wasn't a market. This wasn't, it's up to you. This wasn't... Ask your doctor. See, we're used to a medical market where we choose. Where we shop around, we do our homework, we ask our doctor. We decide. That's what we're used to. That's how we do medicine in the Western world in the 21st century. That's not what we did with this vaccine. And, and here's the truth. Here's what, here's what he got her to admit. They never trusted us. They never trusted us with a marketplace. It had to be a mandate. But the other thing they did was they imputed guilt and blame for spreading the pandemic to people who wouldn't or hadn't yet gotten the jab. We now know that's not true. Remember, pandemic of the unvaccinated? And I'm sure you haven't forgotten, but in time people may. We came very, very close, closer than I've ever seen, to basically throwing people out of society. And in some ways we we did. I mean, there are still people who don't have the job they had, can't serve in the military, and so forth. The nicest thing you can say about this is that it's okay to not know everything that the jab could or could not do at the outset. You were rushing this thing onto the world stage. Of course you didn't know everything about it. But I cannot forgive telling lies that you knew were lies. And they told the biggest lie you could possibly tell about this, which is if you get it, you won't spread it. What do you think about that? 210-599-5555. I'm not letting them get away with the, well, it's the speed of science and we learn as we go. You didn't say that. You didn't say we're still learning. You told people they were killers when you knew they were not. 210-599-5555. All right. Uh, Jake Tapper over on CNN had an hour with President Biden. But we only got 10 or 15 minutes of it. I don't know what else went on or went down. But a lot of people aren't too happy with it. Surprise, surprise. Um, uh, here is um, President Biden talking about Hunter, cut number one. He wrote a book about his problems and was straightforward about it. I'm proud of him. He came along and said, by the way, this thing about a gun, I didn't know anything about it, but turns out that when he made my application to purchase a, a gun. What happened was he said, I guess you get asked, I don't guess, you get asked the question, are you on drugs, you use drugs? He said no. And he wrote about saying no. 
in right. his book. So I, I, I've, I've great confidence in my son. I love him, and uh, he's on the straight and narrow, and he has been for a couple of years now, and I'm just so proud of him. Mm. You know, maybe he is proud of him, and, I, and, and I'm sure he does love him. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll stipulate to all that. We don't have to keep saying it. But none of that was straight. None of that was, and there was, and and no follow up, no probing deeper. But 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 but, smartest guy you know, never done anything wrong. It's all lies. Tapper asks him about um, the fact that, you know, he may be popular or well liked in the Democratic Party, but a majority of Democrats have said in polls they don't want him to run again. Cut number two. Listen to this. You're about to turn 80. Whenever anyone raises concerns about your age, you're the oldest president in the history of the United States, you always say, watch me. So what's your message to Democrats who like you, who like what you've done, but are concerned about your age and the demands of the job? Well, they're concerned about whether or not I can get anything done. Look what I've gotten done. Name me a president in recent history that's gotten as much done as I have in the first two years. Not a joke. You may not like what I got done, but the vast majority of the American people do like what I got done. And by the way, I'm going to get this assault weapons ban. Before this is over, I'm going to get that again. Not a joke. And watch. They've been saying this about my age for since I began to run. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, when you, you come work out with me in the morning. <laughs> anytime. Oh, my God. Um, I don't know. What happens to these people? I mean, I get that they're Democrats, but are they not embarrassed by all the toadying and bootlicking? Don't they want to act a little bit like journalists, just if for no other reason than maybe to impress like their journalist friends? They're not. It's not even that, you know. And and, and by the way, I, I have no doubt that Joe Biden can get things done. That's not my concern about Joe Biden. I, 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 you've never heard me say that. This this guy can't get anything done. You've never heard me say that. My concern is I don't think he knows what he's doing. I don't think it's him doing it. I don't think um, the policies are policies that most or majority of Americans like. I think that's why his fellow Democrats uh, would rather have a bag over their head than be seen in public with him. But, you know, um, it was the usual kind of soft-serve ice cream that they always give this guy. And I will say to you, I've I've been noticing this for years. This is how they interviewed Barack Obama. This is how they interviewed Bill Clinton. But in their defense... No one watching Bill Clinton or Barack Obama thought, well, he wouldn't be able to handle a a difficult question or he wouldn't be able to take a follow-up. We we knew they could. We just noticed they didn't have to. They're protecting this guy. He can't do it. They are purposely not asking him questions that would make his eyes pop out and, you know, smoke come out of his head. And and that's different. So we're not talking about media bias. We're talking about this is this is weekended Bernies. They're carrying this guy across the midterm finish line. All right. So two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. You don't want to talk about all this when you get home. You know, you got a husband or wife that's sick and tired of hearing you talk about politics. You need to call me. We'll talk about it here. Then you'll be good when you get home. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I I expect that Joe Biden will not be very forthcoming in an interview, but Jake Tapper, come on, throw overhand, you know, put a little put put you back into it, Jake. I mean, you got a new boss over there at CNN. 
You might have to audition for a job at Fox at some point, the way things are going. you got to put something on that highlight reel, buddy. I mean, it, it was just so soft. It was like visiting somebody at the home, you know. How you doing today? Would you come work out with me in the morning? <laughs> Anytime. Oh, let's work out together. That's... Oh, man. I don't know what they teach in journalism school now, but, boy, that would not have flown with the professors I had. Yeah, when you cover a public official, pal around with them some. I, I, I don't even know where to go with the thing about Hunter because, you know, I, parents are not rational about their own children. So asking him questions that you know he's not going to answer objectively may be a, a, a fruitless thing. I'll, I'll skirt that for the moment. He, he said what you would expect him to say. Um, you, you, you totally let him off on the uh, Democrats don't want you to run, so why should anybody want you to run? These are the people that brought you here. Um, he, he certainly isn't. Uh, getting hard questions about the recession, about gas prices, about the fact that essentially we're at war with Russia. You know, I wish somebody would just ask the question that way. We're, we, we didn't declare it. We're not saying it this way. But we are providing all of the weaponry and most of the national budget for another country that is at war with Russia. That means we're at war with Russia. And if you're not going to go to the Congress and get a declaration of war, at least you could talk a little bit candidly about that with people tuning in. I really cannot imagine a difference between this interview and a, you know, hype video that the DNC would make before the election, right? Where you would, you'd say, let's just get some complimentary footage of the big guy. We'll light it nicely and we'll show him and his, we'll show his good side and, you know, we'll get a few. A few choice sound bites. I mean, I know both parties do that, but you're CNN. You're supposed to be pretending, right? Uh, anyway, 210-599-5555. As far as Hunter is concerned, like I said, you, you cannot expect a parent, even in public life, to be objective, right? I mean, when we talk about our kids, they are the, the prettiest, the most handsome. They are the smartest. They are the, they are the best. They are the best thing God ever made. I, I, I get that. I get that. I, I wouldn't expect him to be down on his kid. But you could ask, you could ask uh, about the uh, criminal charges. We, we know you're proud of him. But there's other stuff going on. This is not parent-teacher night. 210-599-5555. Today we are learning more about and this is one of the trials that stemmed from the John Durham investigation but today we're learning more about the fact that the FBI at one point and this is from an FBI agent a man named uh, Brian Otten who was high up in the FBI the FBI offered Christopher Steele 1 million dollars if he could corroborate his steel dossier. And I, I want you to just let that sink in for a minute. Because everything they did, the FISA applications, everything they did was predicated 
on a document we now know they knew was iffy, if not worse. But they basically offered, and, and a million dollars is like a, a figure from a, you know, it's, it's, it's like a figure from an Austin Powers movie. One million dollars. If he could make it all true. So I, I realize other people are on trial, but the trial is really a trial of the FBI. I mean, I, I, people ask me all the time, is anyone going to jail? Is anyone going to be accountable? I, and I hear you. I get, I get why you're wondering that. And I don't mean to dismiss the question, but we have a bigger problem. We have a bigger problem than these people walking around without an orange jumpsuit on. We have an FBI that was offering a million dollars of what? From, from what? A piggy bank? From what operating budget or line in the budget to Christopher Steele? And this was from um, a former supervisory agent, Brian Otten, with the FBI. And uh, under oath, Steele, by the way, couldn't do it. I guess not even for a million dollars. So they didn't corroborate it. Obviously, if he didn't corroborate it, they didn't get it corroborated. They knew it couldn't be. They used it anyway. They went forward with it. Anyway, they knew it. But they thought a million dollars would make their problem go away. 210-599-5555. John is on KTSA. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm done being disappointed and disgusted with the mainstream media. I expect it from them. I guess I'm a little disappointed that more Americans aren't calling them out and, and more uh, professors and journalist professors and journalists in general who aren't tied to the mainstream media, calling them out, saying, hey, no, wrong. And it, it's very frustrating to watch ABC News, NBC News, CBS, CNN, and just to see how they carry this guy. And not only him, people like Fetterman, the same thing. It's really, really, it's maddening. Well, doesn't it basically tell you that the majority of them are politically sympathetic so they they may know their craft they may know their trade this is not how you do an interview but uh they've they've decided what's more important is the result jake tapper is obtaining for them right but you know when you say people aren't calling them out aren't people calling them out by tuning them out i mean the ratings are in a free fall yes now that part and that's what i've done as a as a family me and my wife and um, my father-in-law lives with me. We've made it a conscious thing. We are not watching the mainstream media. Done. Click. Turn off. And we get our news from other sources, and we dig. You know, we, we take the right. time to dig. And, 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 and I, I will watch sometimes the mainstream media just to get what their perspective is or what they're trying right. to keep on us. It's good to keep up with what's going on on the other side. That's true. John, thank you. Thank you for the call. Yeah, I mean, I if you're over a certain age, you remember when, if anything happened or somebody told you something had happened, you ran to a screen and put on CNN. I don't think people do that anymore, or as automatically as they once did. That's the, that's the most damning indictment. If you want people to call them out, I'm not sure how the average person can call out people that have a platform and a, and a, and a megaphone when you don't. But you're not listening, you're not watching, 
that's I, I think that's calling you out in a big, big way. It's interesting. Wall Street Journal says that um, the Biden administration begged OPEC to delay price cuts until later this month or early next month so that we would not feel the effects, see the effects at the pump before the midterm election. That's what the Wall Street Journal is reporting. Uh, the administration is denying that, saying it's false. Our um, work with OPEC was not politically motivated. Um, and um, we, we wanted them to wait before cutting production, but we were not attempting to time it to the midterms. Well, okay, he said, she said, right? But it is interesting that whether that was the reason or that would coincidentally have been the effect, it is interesting that the administration and the president who said he was going to end fossil fuels and has done a lot of damage to our uh, independence on them is now begging for them. You know, if I threw something away, if I took something and I said, I don't need this anymore, and I threw it away and I made a big deal of telling everyone, I got rid of that thing, I don't need it anymore. And then I started asking all my friends if I could borrow theirs and begging and complaining about it. I think somebody would say to me, hey, knucklehead, you threw it away. Jake Tapper couldn't, uh, couldn't be reached for comment. Uh, 210-599-5555. This is an interesting story. Uh, French police, this is from the France 24 network. French police are now checking fuel tanks at gas stations before people fill up their cars because they have such a shortage that they don't want people topping off a mostly full, a mostly full tank. They ran video of a man pulling into a station only to be told he could not fill up his tank. How much do you have, sir? The policeman asks the driver. I'm about three quarters. I was hoping. And before the man can finish his sentence, the officer says, three quarters, you can't do it. And tells them to get out. That's what it's going to look like if we keep trying to run a fossil fuel economy under rulers and politicians who have denied its importance or its existence. You and I are living in the real world. We have a car out in the driveway that runs on gasoline. It's what we need to get to work. It's what we need to live. These people are living in a fantasy world where you need to take that down and trade it in for a Tesla. They haven't solved the problem of how they're going to generate all the additional electricity to run the electric cars we can neither afford nor want, but that's the, that's the, the divide we have right now. You know, we're being governed by people who think we should flap our arms and fly. We're being governed by people who think money grows on trees and they have an orchard. I wonder what their solution will be to food inflation, that we should just snap our fingers or, you know, click our heels together. 210-599-5555. Ricky is on the radio on KTSA. Hi, Ricky. Good day. How are you? Good day, Ricky. Man, I'm just here witnessing the miracles of each day. Oh, my goodness. It's very clear that two years ago the world did actually end. It actually did end. And, you know, we're kind of just pretending that it never happened and it feels so clear you know perhaps what happened two years ago that we're experiencing pardon what do you mean the world ended 
I'm sorry, I didn't understand what you meant by the world been, ended. Uh, I I say kind of that I say that kind of jokingly, but almost wondering how true that may be, just with how there actually was a lockdown, and I just find it so curious how we could move on uh, since then as though it never happened. That we're feeling all the ramifications of it yeah. in all kinds of markets. You know, we we you know the whole you know uh, everyone flocking to Texas kind of thing, and and uh, I actually want to share two thoughts if I may. And I really love what you're doing, by the way. I, you know, I just ran into your radio recently, and and uh, I'm like, wow, this voice actually exists. I'm gonna take the Lord. Uh, <laughs> so, one is, I'm not sure if you've heard of the story of of the eBay. You know, when they one day like early in the days when they changed from yellow to white in the background, uh, it uh, people complained that they wanted their yellow background, and what they did instead was change it. Uh, one color shade at a time, one uh, one day at a time, thrown in 65 days until no one saw the the white and they forgot about the the yellow. And I wonder how much of that is reflective and all the kinds of things. Now there's more discourse about shortages, you know, food, uh, fuel. I'm like, what is? Are we watching shades turn from what was a reality to a great sort of I don't know a reset? <laughs> Well, I think pe- people have more places to, like like the gentleman called a few minutes ago, people have more places to go for their information. They don't have to wait for, you know, three news networks to come on at 530 and tell them everything. So that's that's one thing we have going for us. And, and to your, you know, to your point, yeah, I mean, we are in complete denial about how many of the things we talk about now were brought about by the decision to shut us down. and And there's no accountability for that. And we just moved on, and it's like, wait, uh, like, okay. Uh, well, they they just moved on. Line. We 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 can't move on, but they've just moved on, like as you say, like they on, yeah. like it never happened. And you know, let me tell you, as a musician, uh, uh, again, uh, my name is Ricky Ray, right? I I've recently been playing with Los Cumbia Kings. Any Latino that, uh, if you ask them about Cumbia Kings, uh, let's just say, you know, they're quite the big name, and. Uh, I've been playing with them for a year, and you know, while there's still a lot of lockdown, mass situation going on, and the airport is very clear, it feels like wartime. Yet when we hit the stage, you know, it feels like 1999. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? What's the? Uh... So that's that's one thought. Um, the second thought was, um, and I don't want to take too much of your time. I know you have a lot of people to talk to and all that. I really appreciate uh, just the opportunity. Uh, the second thing is. Uh, I often wonder the generation that was born in the '90s. You know, uh, I was born in 1990. Uh, I feel like we got to see the most. This is my opinion. Uh, the most, uh, the biggest glitch of the internet as it was taking shape. Uh, well, uh, in, into, and I say the word specifically, into, I'm very deliberately, into social media. You know, anyone that remembers their early uh, and uh, equivalencies of what is social media today is like a. You know, AOL, MSN Messenger, you know, uh, chat rooms and all of that, Yahoo. I'm impressed that you would remember even that stuff. You must have been a little kid when we were doing that stuff. I mean, AOL, and you're taking it way I, back. I, at that time, I was maybe 12, right? I was 12, okay. 13, 14. And so I got to see those interworkings, you know, under underneath a, what was the previous grid that no longer exists, right? And and as it took, as a, you know, 
as as the disappearance of MySpace started to take shape and the prominence and you know what the attraction towards Facebook started to appear before the idea of Instagram was the thing of which is now the main phone line of the world, right? Uh, hence the word meta, right? And uh, I remember when YouTube was a strong source of underground information that was, uh, let's just say, it made it very clear that what was happening on the television screens, you know, they were projecting a whole other reality. And I started noticing mm -hmm. that 2012 and the Internet started to become more saturated, more uh, the volume of eyeballs and searching and all of that into 2016, of which if one was within that era of, you know, I call it the glitch in the matrix era. Uh, that's how I describe it. I'm a poet, uh -huh. pardon me. Uh -huh. um, uh, and uh, uh, how do I say, anybody that saw that saw whole other reality from TV. And I should say as TV was projecting a uh, whole other reality, and right. the Well, I always thought the, when the Internet came along, I always thought it was uh, basically freedom. It was um, nobody yes, gets well to tell you, you know, nobody gets to tell you the, 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 the official version and, and nothing else. Nobody gets to curate your news for you. So in the beginning, it really was that that Wild West frontier. And the people that, wow. that launched it and created it, they talked our language. That's how they talked about it, too. Yes. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that they would flip into a mode of doing the government's work for them, where now these sites you're describing are prisons people have put themselves in. They're, they're enslaved mm -hmm. to likes. They're enslaved to popularity. They, uh, you have to watch your P's and Q's. If you say the wrong thing have about COVID, you're gone. But that, who would have thought those pioneers of all that freedom would have become the willing agents of the state? I would never have expected that. Bam, and that's so interesting. It's That goes to show that, uh, it, you know, the depth of awareness of our psychology is deep. So anyone to fall into that, we must be kind. We mustn't be so harsh, you know, uh, because oftentimes when, you know, we can, you know, we can find ourselves culturally making fun of them. And now that there is a stronghold of sorts that wasn't before, um, you know, one could be therefore seen as, you see, that's why we got to censure yeah. them. That's why yeah. they're... You know, they're the bad guy, and, you know, I think ultimately that's the great opportunity of awakening to see that one to ourselves, to, re look, ultimately, how do we even know we're right? You know, who's we anyway? Who's they? Right. So how about... <laughs> You're getting us? very deep. You're getting very deep. But I'm glad, but I'm glad we have, I'm glad we got this far, and Ricky, please and call I again. I want to, I want to continue this conversation, conversation again, okay? Uh, Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point. We it, it took us a little while to get to it, but um, we are really witnessing the repurposing of something we thought was, hey, we're we're out from under the man, right? That I don't have to wait for Dan Rather to tell me what I should know at 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 five thirty or whatever it was when you wherever you lived at that time, wherever you were, whatever time it came up. You know that was that was the way the world worked, and had worked for decades. There were the, the, the big newspapers, the big news magazines, the big news broadcasts, um, and that they were it. And th the only opportunity for anyone that was not in the club was to be invited by them, and these invitations were few and far between, 
to be a guest, but even then you were edited and excerpted or maybe just eliminated, edited out. Sorry, we didn't have time. Then that flipped over, and now you have Joe Rogan with exponentially more people listening to him than watch any of these news program, network news programs, right? Any of them. And yet, that is itself imperiled by the people that control the platforms saying, well, you know what, we're going to censor, we're going to be the speech police, we're going to regulate disinformation. If the government comes to us and says, hey, we don't want alternative theories about COVID or ivermectin, we'll clean it up for you, government. And they do, and they, and they have, and they are. That's interesting. Asking you on the JR poll, do you think public health officials told what they knew were lies about the COVID-19 jab? If they knew, and it appears they did, that it might not stop the transmission of the virus, or to put it in their words, they didn't know if it stopped transmission of the virus, then why did they frame the necessity of the of the jab as preventing you from spreading the virus. I mean, I, I know a little bit about advertising, and even though advertising is full of hyperbole and exaggeration, you have, you have to be careful not to make an out-and-out false claim. You can't say something was, you know, um, 80% effective, when there, when that is not true, and you know it's not true. So they did not trust us to make a choice about it, and they did threaten people, and the punishment lingers, because you have people still without the job or career or service in the military they had before. Do you think they knew they were lying? What do you think of that? 210-599-5555. We've talked a little bit these last couple of days about the now-fired SAPD officer who shot the kid at McDonald's at Blanco and West Avenue. Um, I've seen Chief McManus on the networks. And, um, it, 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 and by the way, I'm not saying this to criticize McManus, but it is pretty clear that they are trying to get out in front of this story. Um because there are a lot of political action groups that are chomping at the bit to make San Antonio ground zero for, you know, this whole defund the police and police are awful and we... Is he handling it correctly? Do you think Chief McManus is managing... I mean, it's a it's a bleep show. Obviously, they've they've... The, the officer has been, you know... Uh, fired and he shouldn't shouldn't have been out there and this isn't the training and we've heard it from 99 experts this is not how you do any of this This is not how any of this was supposed to work he'll probably be using that tape in in training academies but as the chief in your view is he is he i don't want to say playing it right is he managing making the best out of what's left of it uh, right, in your opinion. This, is, by the way, is what he's supposed to be good at. This is his rep, that he is uh, great at sort of uh, being the face of and the uh, opinion leader of uh, a police department. This is his forte. 
as a uh, as an administrator. I thought this was funny. A guy now on Facebook said um, he is getting more text messages on his phone from Beto than from people he actually knows. And just as I read that, I got one. Did you I'm really? getting like two a day. Hmm. It's unbelievable. Did you ever get? Do you ever get political uh, like robo texts or robo calls? Or I mean, I know you just moved here, so maybe they haven't found you yet. But. Yeah, I was going to say I don't think I've been here long enough to get on the the Beto roster. So want me to want me to give uh, give me your number? <laughs> I'm going to hold off on that. Pass that on for you. <laughs> yeah, I will give Beto a little bit of credit because at least his texts are written in the third person, like they're about him. I hate when politicians send you these robo texts, and it's we're supposed to believe it's it's, it's written in the first person. It's, right. it's like from them. Uh, like, I'm, hi, it's Kevin McCarthy. I want to have lunch with you next Tuesday. Yeah, that is just creepy and weird. Like, what? You know, I sometimes feel like I'm very important, no. but I'm not that important. You know? No, I don't think he wants to have lunch with either one of us. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Ever. Including and especially next uh, Tuesday. So you were in L.A. for a while. You, you must have heard this story by now about the uh, the tape that came out of these big-time politicos. Uh, there's there's some big heads going to roll in the Los Angeles City Council yeah. uh, and the labor community. And if people haven't heard the story, basically this is a tape from, I think, about a year ago of some pretty powerful people uh, using some incredibly uh, racist, racist and offensive uh, language in a conversation I guess they figure no one will ever hear. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what do you think is going to happen here? You know, it's Southern California, Jack, and I have no clue. I mean, there's nothing. I left that state in, in late 2009. There has been nothing that's happened since then yeah. that's made me feel like, hey, I better go back to the I need Golden to get back state. there. No, no not at no. all. And so... I really have no idea. You know, I hear from from more and more people that there's a big conservative movement in the state. There's a divide up California movement that's like more than two years old. It's, state of Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Northern such a, California. It's such a crazy state right now on the political level, on the economic yeah. level. I wouldn't even pretend to guess. And frankly, I'm kind of enjoying San Antonio, so I'm not keeping up a lot with L.A. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And uh, all right, I'll be back to you with a hard question next hour. Those were easy right. ones. But um, here, here's just the point I'll make about, uh, and we'll get to your calls at 210-599-5555, but here's the point I'll make about this. So the the audio was leaked. We don't know all the deets, as the kids say, about who leaked it uh, or even who made it, but um, it involves the president of the city council, Several council members, a guy named Ron Herrera, who's now had to resign as the head of the largest labor union in Los Angeles. They are mocking one of their colleagues who's black, mocking his son, calling him a monkey. Uh, They accuse another guy who's black of raising his son like he's white. Uh, They claim that black voters are mouthy and vocal, and it gives the impression there's more of them than than they are. These are all Hispanic uh, members. So some people are taking that spin on it. Well, this is, uh, you know, how it sounds when Hispanics are racist about blacks. I I don't know. I'm not interested in that, or I I don't have anything to say about that. What I do think is interesting is how often, more often than you would think would just happen like by accident, how often... There's a live mic. There's a 
overheard conversation. There's a recording of liberals, of progressives, talking about minorities, whether they're racial minorities, ethnic minorities, sexual minorities. They get caught using the most backwards, ugly language. And all I'm going to say is it's because in the end, in the end, race and ethnicity and gender preference, those are all just tools for them. So they're not allies or champions or heroes or defenders of the oppressed. They are just using them. I'm not saying that if we if we could get secret tape recordings of of Republicans or conservatives, I'm not. I, I don't know what we would hear, but I, I, I'm not saying it's exclusive to the left or exclusive to the progressives. But I am saying, I will say, and I'll say it again: they're the ones who claim to be the sole defenders. The only ones you, if you're gay, if you're black, if you're Hispanic, I'm sorry, excuse me, if you're Latinx, as they would like to call you, though no one calls themselves that. You have to have them. You can't count on anyone else. You can't depend on anyone else. Don't listen to that guy on the radio. We're the only ones that have your back, except when we don't. And, of course, now they're, oh, the crocodile tears, and they're sorry, and there's all this, all this, uh, you know, all these elaborate apologies are being issued. Yeah, but, you know, it's, this, is, this wasn't like you said it by mistake or you came up with the wrong word or autocorrected. You were having you were you were shooting the breeze, shooting the bleep amongst yourselves. You let your hair down. This is this is who you are, right? I'm surprised they don't come out and say. Remember, remember back before before the internet, the the excuse would have been, "Oh, I had had a few too many, and I didn't know what I was saying." I'm surprised they're not using that one. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. We were talking about the Biden interview with Jake Tapper. They did an interview on uh, MSNBC with John Fetterman, the Democratic Senate candidate in Pennsylvania. And the reporter who did the interview explained that they used a caption transcriber, that a condition of the interview was that he had to have a screen in front of him. I'm not exactly sure what this is, but what it sounds like is a screen that was giving him a, a... you know, a readout of the questions in the interview. What do you think about that? The guy had a stroke in, I think it was April. He's the Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. If you've heard him talk, he's he's been very heavily affected by this stroke. Um, I've made the point that that is not the main concern I have with him being elected to the Senate, his radical whacked out woke policies are the main issue I have. We, we have a lot of senators who have trouble speaking. He would just be one more. But what I find so interesting is this reporter apparently thinks that granting this concession is not only okay, but she wanted you to know, like, I think she thought it would make her look really smart and reasonable, look what we did for him. And it th- that was a condition of the interview. And I'll tell you this, and it's cost me a lot of interviews, we don't have any conditions. <laughs> well, 
so we we frequently request time with people who say, well, I'll talk to Jack if I can have a list of the questions. No. I don't even know the questions far enough in advance to give a list, but I wouldn't give one if I did. We'll talk to Jack if he only asks about this, this, and this. No. We'll talk to Jack if he promises not to bring up X. No. I I, I don't even recognize the craft of journalism when a reporter is bragging about this wonderful concession she made to have a few precious moments with John Fetterman. No, I, I don't know. I don't recognize these people. Where where did this all come from? 210-599-5555. And again, the Biden Tapper interview is, well, this is, this is the, you know, Jake's at the top of the heap. So young journalists are growing up watching this and thinking this is, this is how you get to be on CNN. Steve is on KTSA. Steve, good afternoon. Jack, good afternoon. That's because you take your journalism degree seriously. But any real journalist who had the opportunity to interview uh, fraudulent President Biden about the Hunter situation, the Hunter laptop, the Hunter uh, uh, phone recordings, would have asked two very simple questions. Who is the big guy? And then after Biden danced around that, the next question should have been, are you the big guy? (laughs) Those are the only two things the American people want to know. Those are the two questions that will never be asked by the fake news. I don't think those are the only two things we want to know, but you're right about that. Those would be those would be two that uh, didn't make it onto Jake's list. Thank you, Steve. I think uh, I think Highlights Magazine has been around for a long time. I don't know exactly, but I seem to remember it when I was a kid, and it's still around. It's a it's a magazine for little little kids. It's it might be the first magazine a, a child ever picks up. It's I think there's different versions of it for like toddlers and young readers, and so this is about a story that appeared in Highlights. And it was a story about a boy named Bruce. And Bruce was sad. And um, the story's entitled Brave Bruce. Bruce was sad. And in the story, um, Bruce's friends cheer him up. Uh, one of them uh, gives him a little toy car. And one of them gives him a hug. And one of them pats him on the leg, which tells me that the story was not cleared with the HR department. But anyway, um, so far so good, right? Children being kind to other children. I, I think we're all for that, right? Everybody's in favor of that. All, all, uh, <laughs> all in favor say aye. Okay. So anyway, uh, this woman on uh, Twitter gets um, a hold of it, Kate Mann, who says she's a writer and philosopher at Cornell. I'm going to leave that right there. You do with that what you want. Um, she has uh, written a book entitled, Entitled, <laughs> sorry, it's a, it, the, the name of the book is Entitled, How Male Privilege Hurts Women. So that's why her tweet makes sense. She tweeted after reading Brave Bruce. Not sure why she was reading it. 
So girls of every race are responsible for catering to the emotional needs of a white boy. That's her take. That's her hot take on Brave Bruce. Girls of every race are responsible for catering to the emotional needs of white boys. So then people noted that um, one of the girls is actually a boy. Again, I'm going to leave that right there. Somebody else pointed out to her that we're not sure Bruce is white. Based on the skin tones of the other kids, Bruce doesn't look like the fairest of them all. But most people were just generally uh, amazed. I, I, I'm beyond the point. I can't be amazed anymore at this stuff. I mean, just doesn't surprise me anymore. But people were like, how is this your takeaway? And I think I could answer that. You, you have to have a, a framework. You have to have like a, like a, like an extra cornea over your, the front of your eyeball in which everything is about race. Everything you see is about race. And when people come at you or you encounter them or you see them or you observe them, everything they say and do and their interactions with you and their interactions with one another are because of race. I'm here right now. I'm saying this right now. You're listening to it right now because of race. I I got a kick out of all the people that tried to make the argument that Bruce was Hispanic or as she would probably call him Latinx. Uh, And then people said, well, maybe Bruce is trans. We don't even really know that he's a boy or was. We don't know his pronouns. But, and and so it's hilarious, as as often is the case, that the threat is even funnier than the the tweet. But um, it is so basic and essential that kids learn to be kind to one another. What kind of a sicko misses that? And it's highlights. It, it, you know, this is like a magazine that, that kids that are still using crayons write, read, I should say. So, and I'm not even going to get into the fact that this woman sounds like she probably is involved in education, so this is who's training the people that will be educating and raising up kids. But wow. I mean, at least she's not a classroom teacher like some of these crazy libs of TikTok videos that we played for you. But yeah, her her take on the story of a sad boy who is comforted and cheered up by three friends. And by the way, two of them do look like girls, and one of them it's not Entirely clear. Azaria. We don't know if Azaria is a boy or a girl. But they made him feel better, each in their own way. And their teacher was proud of them for doing that. And Kate Mann was ashamed of them for doing that. Because they were catering to the emotional needs of white boys. So, As a white boy, I would just like to say, what about my emotional needs? Huh, Kate? What about it? Who's patting my leg, Kate? You know, I'm just saying. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. So we talk about music on this show probably more than any other talk show I know of. I 
I, you could almost, I think you could almost do a talk show about music, but maybe that'll be in my next lifetime. So we've, we've talked before about uh, songs you love, artists you love, first concert you went to, best concert you went to. I think recently we did a, a segment about singers, the singer with the most distinctive voice. We did that recently. But I'm going to ask you a question that's a little trickier, a little um, more precise. Think about this. I'd like to have your answer on this. What is the best single line from a song you have ever heard? I don't mean a whole chorus. I mean the best single line. doesn't have to be your favorite song, necessarily. It may be, but it may not be. But it's just a perfect or beautiful or amazing or witty line from a song. One Line, 210-599-5555. And again, you may want to think about it. Best line from a song. Uh, Mine, uh, this was very uh, easy for me because I have been haunted by this lyric since I was a kid. The first time I heard this song, it was on an AM radio when I was a kid. And it was written by a great American songwriter uh, named Jimmy Webb. And it became a big hit for a great American singer from the 1960s and 70s. And it's a great song. Every every line of this song is fantastic. But this line is so beautiful. And it, it's a line that you would love to have someone say to you, and mean it, or a line that you wish you could say to someone and mean it. So here's mine. Here's my best single line from a song. It's Glenn Campbell's Wichita Lineman. I need you more than want you. And I want you for all time. <laughs> I can't do better than that, you know? So what's yours? 210-599-5555. People have been hitting Facebook uh, since I posted this this afternoon. We're getting a lot of them that way. You can call me right now and tell me, jack at ktsa.com, if you want to do it that way. Uh, Bruno wrote to me. Bruno's a uh, truck driver. And he says that he listens to this. This song calms him down when he's in traffic or he's running behind. And his line is, that's just the way it is. Some things will never change. That's Bruce Hornsby and the way it is. It's a great lyric. Um, Sam wrote, people hearing without listening. People hearing without listening. Sounds of silence. Some of these lines are the first line of their song, and some of them are in the song. So think about that. What would you say? 210-599-5555. David says, city girls just seem to find out early how to open doors with just a smile. Lion eyes, the eagles, right? Uh, Let's start with Rick on KTSA, 210-599-5555. All right, Rick, the best single <clears throat> single line from a song. Uh, Waylon Jennings, Luke in Buck, Texas, 
Uh, I do sing this song in a local bar down here. So uh, every once in a while, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'm sure you got it on the record, but do you want to do you want to sing like, it to me or do you want to say it to me? Yeah, I'll go ahead and do it. it don't go ahead and sing it. If I make a fool out of myself, I ain't gonna be the first time. You, you won't be alone, okay. not on this show. Oh no! Only two things in life to make it worth living: is guitar to tune good and firm, feeling women, and I don't mm-hmm. need my name in the marquee lights. <laughs> I got my song. I got you with me tonight, baby. Nice. Let's um, let's get back to the basics right. of love. Anyway, it kind of goes like that. Yeah. And that's one of my Very. favorite Waylon songs. Very good. Very nice, Rick. And good voice. Good for you. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, Waylon Jennings. All right. I think, I think we might there hear from is. him a time or two here. Thank you, sir. 210-599-5555. Uh, one line. So not a whole chorus. Just one line. Best line you've ever heard in a song, in your opinion. And Stephen is on KTSA. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are you? Sorry for my voice. I'm coming out of the uh, flu crud, but I do. Oh, have no a, worries. Uh, I was tell you what. If I tell it to you, I'm sure you could probably guess the song. Okay. It's for well you know that it's a fool who plays it cool by making his world a little colder. I know that's the Beatles. Is it? Yeah. Um, oh shoot! It's on the tip of my tongue. Is it Hey Jude? Hey Jude. Yeah. It is, yes. Boy, we could probably get a basket full of great lines from just that song, right? Oh, from that one song, you can probably get a ton of different one line. I mean, but but that one particular one always stands out to me. Yeah. Yeah, that is beautiful. Great, great choice. I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. There is a great one. Don, that's yours, right? That's your favorite song line, right? Absolutely. Our producer, Don Cooper, with God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. That's a song I remember I remember hearing an interview one time. Paul McCartney said that he and John Lennon were blown away by that album and that's that particular song. Um, I mean, when you've got the Beatles' attention, you know, <laughs> you've done something pretty pretty good. Uh, I'm looking for your best single line from a song. Doesn't have to be your favorite song, but uh, just a line, one line, two ten five nine nine. 5555 or jack at ktsa.com. Robbie says he came from somewhere back in her long ago. Doobie Brothers, what a fool believes. That is that is a great that is a great uh, line from a great song that's full of them. He came from somewhere back in her long ago. And a nice email from um, Angela. She says, my favorite single line from a song, she comes out of the sun in a silk dress. Running like a watercolor in the rain. Do you know that one, Don? She comes out of the sun in a silk dress, running like a watercolor in the rain. Because we play that one. We play that song in our bump rotation. That's Year of the Cat by Al Stewart. Oh, okay. Okay. Had to think about that. Produced that album, produced by Alan Parsons. 
Uh, let's see, 210-599-5555. Mary is on the radio. Hi, Mary. Oh, hi, Jack. How are you? Good. You got a line for us? Yes, I do. Um, it, it's uh, looking back at my background, trying to figure out how I ever got here. Some things are still a mystery to me, while others are much too clear. Wow. I'm, I'm blanking on that one. Who is that? Yeah, you're going to blank on that one. That was, that's a, a lesser-known Jimmy Buffett song from the A1A album called Migration. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that's a boy. That is a great. Ago. Yeah, that is a great line. I'm. 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 I'll admit, I'm not too up on my Jimmy Buffett, but that is a great line. That was that was way before uh, Margaritaville, and the rest <laughs> of the song it, it is just as good about uh, you know figuring out you know how you get, how you did get here. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah I'm, yeah. I'm working on that. I'm working on that myself, Mary. <laughs> But great Maybe call. Thank did. you. Thank great you very call. much. Good to have you with us. Uh, Bob is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Hi, Bob. Hey, Jack. How are you? Hey, it's our good friend Bob Brown. <laughs> how are you, my friend? The man who popularized the term, here's the deal. <laughs> there you go. Oh, now I might have to change my favorite line. Every time I say uh, that, I think of you. Here's the deal. Oh, that's I'm just glad you think about me, man. That I do think really about good. you. We love you, Bob. So you you are a musician. For folks that don't know, Bob Brown, we worked together for a long time, and he's been on Gang of Four, and, and you have a band, and you are a musician. So I'm curious to know what your favorite song line will be. Well, I figured I'd come up with something that probably recognizable, but not something everybody would think of. It's uh, one of my favorite Bob Dylan lines. Um I'll see you in the blue sky above and the tall grass and the ones I love. You're going to make me lonesome when you go. Oh, wow. That is beautiful. I just always loved the flow of that line. I just always thought it was really good. I got a bunch of them. but <laughs> Yeah. He gave us so many, I mean, may you build a ladder to the stars and climb on every rung. And, I mean, so many great so many great lines yeah. that so many other great people have sung, uh, uh, you know, after Bob Dylan. Yeah, that's a great one. Bob, it's good to hear from you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, Jack, take care. Be well. We'll talk to you soon. Our good friend Bob Brown. All right, 210-599-5555. What's your single favorite song line of all time? Any kind of song, any artist. Uh, we, we had one from Sounds of Silence earlier. I got another one here. This is uh, Larry. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Goosebumps, right? Uh, Tim is on the radio. Hi, Tim. Yeah, Jack. Um, mine's probably not as sweet as those. Mine's more of a payback song, um, you know, for her love. But um, okay, yeah, it's uh, you'll know who it is. But it goes: uh, the phone starts ringing. Who could that be singing? It's me, baby, with your wake up call. How do you like me now? Mm. And um, the. The video even makes that song even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? You came along at the right time, Tim, because we didn't want to get this this thing to get too sugary sweet, right? So there you go. <laughs> you, you, you you gave us a nice balance there. Thank you, sir. Good to hear from you. Uh, Chris is on KTSa. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Good, sir. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there. 
Yeah, that uh, one song from Aaron Lewis, uh, he sings Whiskey and You, where he says, I drink because I'm lonesome, and I'm lonesome because I drink. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my mm-hmm. all-time mm-hmm. favorite right there. There you go. Very good. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate having you. Um, this one's from Gary, Jack at KTSA.com. The piano sounds like a carnival, and the microphone smells like a beer. And that's a song that's full of uh, imagery. You can just picture every line of that song you can picture in your head. It's Piano Man Billy Joel. The piano sounds like a carnival, and the microphone smells like a beer. 210 599 Mine is uh, Wichita Lineman, and I need you more than want you, and I want you for all time. I know, sappy. I'm very sappy, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm like Rivers Cuomo. All my favorite songs are sad and slow. <laughs> what is your all-time favorite line from a song, 210-599-5555? Robert's on the radio. Hi, Robert. Hello, Jack. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, not too shabby for an old man. Well, all My right. favorite line is uh, Roy Clark's song. Thank God in Greyhound, she's gone. <laughs> See, now, I know, I know what the Greyhound refers to. You have kids today, but no idea what that, what that means, right? Yeah, it means it's over and she's gone. It, it's right. She's on the bus, and it's a one-way ticket. All right, Robert, yeah. thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hi, Mike. Hello, Jack. Oh, there he is. Hi, Mike. Yes, sir. My favorite line, take this job and shove it. No, sounds like you're not having a great week. Oh, great week, but I've used it before. Oh. Okay. All right, Johnny Paycheck. Take this job and shove it. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. So, quick, funny radio story before I ask you for your song line, okay? So, the, the, the guy that called right before the news, Bob, was our sales manager, our director of sales here years ago. And you know, Christian, because you're on the air. People on the air, salespeople, it's not always, you know, it's not, it's not the North versus the South, but it's not, you know, it's not always the... <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. You know where I'm saying, right? Yeah, there's a kind This of a... guy was so amazing. And he's still alive, but I mean, he was so great as a sales manager that after he left and nobody wanted him to leave, but after he left, uh we we would use him on our we used to do a panel every Friday and we had these rotating people's come in on the people come in on the panel and he was just so opinionated and colorful and interesting that we would have him back and when he would come to the building like one Friday a, a month it was like a papal visit. A papal People visit. People would come running out of offices. The sales cubicles would empty out. And Bob's in the building. Bob's here. I mean, have you ever, I mean, in that position at any of the radio stations you worked at, you, that just doesn't happen, right? No. So that was the background of that as to why, why we were pleased to hear from him. In fact, that's, so, that's such a rare example. I kind of think you're making it up. It sounds, but you know what? The, a lot of the stuff that happens at KTSA could only happen at KTSA, <laughs> I'm and that's why that it sounds out. made up. Yeah, but, uh, you're figuring that out, I'm sure. Anyway, um, I knew you'd have a good answer to this. I wanted to give you time to think about it. So, what is your favorite uh, line from a song? Favorite line from a song? Wow. Yeah, I should have thought about this one. Uh, let me go through. Um, I can come back to you. Can I, I can go? 
Go 80s, 90s. Yeah, give me give me two minutes. And <laughs> he I'll said hear. he said two hours. Well, you know what though? I don't think we told him we were doing it. Oh, oh, maybe not. Yeah, you see, maybe I've been not. busy, you know, trying to. Look he like does I'm news, busy. Don. Yeah. yeah, he's not. It's not like he's sitting in a room listening to a boombox <laughs> or Jack Riccardi, for that matter. <laughs> I mean, well, I meant on it, you know, listening to us on a boombox. Yeah. Okay, give me two uh, minutes. No, I mean, he has other. He has. He has, They make him do a couple of other things during our show. I'm just, you know. So, all right, yeah, we'll give you a couple of minutes. Let me grab a couple of calls here. Uh, best. Line from a song. Here's a good one. Um, I I don't know if a lot of people remember her, um, but this was a beautiful song in the uh, 80s. When I find myself watching the time, I never think about all the funny things you said. And that's Piano in the Dark by Brenda Russell, which was a Grammy-nominated love song, beautiful love yeah, song. Yeah, that's, that's a great song. Yeah, Love that song. Um, here's one from uh, Brenda. It's a beautiful day. Don't let it get away. You too. But we got a lot of them, a lot of different uh, eras and genres. Here's um, uh, Ken says, just a small town girl living in a lonely world. She took the midnight train going anywhere. Don't stop believing. Uh, Yeah, journey. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. All you have to do is call. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, that's James Taylor. All right, here is the best line from a song, according to Christian Blood, is... Okay, this goes back to working in Fresno, doing alternative, adult alternative stuff. I was quite the karaoke semi-professional back then, and I used to do this song, and you tell me if you know it. (laughs) And I feel so much depends on the weather. So is it raining in your bedroom? And I see that these are the eyes of disarray. Would you even care? Wow, I, you totally stumped me with that one. Mm-hmm. Cooper, what about you? I, I was actually trying to Google it. It's not coming up. <laughs> I, I, was, I was cheating. Do you want me to say it It's slower? not a contest. Okay, that okay. Is, uh, that's, verse, that's in verse number two. Okay. Of plush by Stone Temple Pilots. Now I know that's how can I oh, not you, have remembered that? You I know it, that yeah, you know it very well. It's kind of a, you know getting into the middle of the song, but you know, is it raining in your bedroom? The yeah. song is kind of morbid, so there's a lot of songs I can come up with some cool yeah. lyrics. But I used to sing this all the time back when I could hit Scotty Wheeland, and yeah. I just thought that 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 line, "Is it raining in your bedroom?" was just I'd never heard it put that way before. That's what jumped into my mind. I'll tell you what, let's save the Christian Blood Sings Stone Temple Pilots for another show. I don't want there to be too much entertainment in this show. So we'll get to that next week. You know, we don't want to you know, we don't want to kill them with entertainment here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we want them listening, right? <laughs> so, you know, hold back on that and we'll we'll get to that. But that, that's a great that's a great line. Stone Temple Pilots obviously uh huge in that uh I guess you'd say the nineties and Yep. Early 2000s uh, era. I hate when they, they call that era grunge, but I guess that's what people know it as. Mm-hmm. Uh, 210-599-5555. All right, best uh, line from a song, and Joe is next on the radio. Hi, Joe. Hey, first I just wanted to say thank you for talking about anything other than politics. <laughs> now, <laughs> okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date myself here. This is a Janis okay. Joplin song from me and Bobby McGee. Mm-hmm. Where she sang, "I would trade all of my tomorrows for a single yesterday." 
Oh man, that is a yeah, that that whole song. That whole song. Freedom's oh, yeah. just another word for nothing left to lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, boy, good. Yeah, you know what? You're not you're not dating yourself because I was just talking to a guy the other day who's young enough to be our son, and he's crazy about Janis Joplin. There, th- that music never went away. You know, small world. Hey, I would like your help with the song. I can remember the line, but I can't remember the song. The line okay, I'll try. is, my get, up, my get up and go done got up and went. Oh, man, that does sound familiar. Maybe I, Don I, Cooper I, could I Google it. I can the song in my head, but I can't remember all of it. Yeah. My get up and go got up and went. Don, are you Googling it? Yeah. yeah. Don's Googling <laughs> it right now. I think it's uh, my get up and go done got up and went. My get up and go done got up and went. Is, Hurry is up, Don, before Christian sings it. No, I don't know. I'll look for it. I don't I'll think Don's got it, it, but we'll we'll. I will look. I'll look for it. Keep listening. I'll look for it. See if I can find it for I you, sure or somebody will know it. Yeah. Thank you very much, Joe. Great call. I appreciate having you. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Gordon is on KTSa. Gordon, good afternoon. Jack, good evening. How are you? Good evening. We'll take that, too. So, Gordon, you have hey. a favorite uh, line from a song? Yeah, from one of the old great blues men, uh, the master of the telecaster, they call him. It's off the uh, Cold Snap uh, album. Uh, I ain't drunk. I'm just drinking. <laughs> that is great. That is great. Now, I I almost I'm listening to your voice. I'm almost thinking you you could probably sing that for me. Well, if you want me to, give me a couple more beers and I will. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I see how it is. All right, Gordon. Thank you. I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. Uh, you don't have. We, I'm not putting any pressure on anybody to sing. You don't have to sing. Might even be better if you don't. I don't know. Just say the line. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Daniel says, "Country road, take me home." Um, what is yours favorite line from a song? Single line. Uh, doesn't have to be your favorite song or favorite artist. It might be, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, but it's just a line that you, uh, think is haunting or memorable or has meaning for you. Uh, I'll go way back. Uh, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved. In return. And that was rattling around in my head today when I was thinking about this, but I couldn't at first remember the song. It's Nature Boy that's been sung by many artists, but is best known for being a Nat King Cole song. The greatest love, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. And beautiful in his voice. Now I realize, yeah, of course, I mean, of course I've heard this. I have this CD, but I couldn't really tell what he was saying because I'm an old man. So thanks, Christian. Now I know, it's, I know, now I know what he's singing anyway. Uh, yeah, there you go. Stone Temple Pilots. Um, here's one from Matt, Jack at KTSA.com. The words begin to stick and the tears to flow. Her meaning now was clear to see. The love she'd waited for was someone else, not me. Bread. Diary. 
There you go. Soft rock, less talk. Uh, 210-599-5555. Looking for the best line ever in a song. Your favorite, all-time, best, memorable, goosebump, wish you'd thought of it, wish you'd said it, maybe you have said it, maybe try to pass it off as your own words. Mike says, uh, breathe out so I can breathe you in, Foo Fighters. Dave is on KTSA. Dave, good evening. Hi, Jack. I love the program. I've got the best title ever. Okay. It's she's a see, she's a T-bone talking woman, but she has a hot dog heart. <laughs> and I've got a forty-five. <laughs> I've got a forty-five of this. Oh man! Right out of the right out of that bread love song, man! Wow. <laughs> Talk about making sure we don't go too far down the road there. All right. Say it one more time. I want to hear it again. She's a T-bone talking woman, but no. she has a hot dog heart. Mm, there you go. Thank it. you, Dave. Uh, oh, uh, Matthew on Facebook. I thought of this one, actually. Uh, this is... Not only a great song uh, lyric, uh, but um, I think Clive Barker used this as the dedication of one of his uh, horror novels. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. Sympathy for the devil. Uh, John is on the radio on 550 KTSA. Best song lyric or line, John, what would be yours? The hot dog heart just shot me down. But yeah, yeah, you can't. Might be you can't two. follow that. No, this might be two, but I'm going to replace the period with a comma. So I was 18, didn't have a care, working for peanuts, not a damn despair, but I was lean and solid everywhere like a rock. Yeah, Bob Seger. Bob Seger. Yeah, that's a fantastic. That's Good. One of the most haunting guitar solos too. You know. Anytime he sings about being young, it's like no one else yeah. ever understood that better than Bob Seger. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, everything he does and like I that. I finally got you. to see him at the Irwin Center last year. How was that? Amazing. Yeah. Because he's getting up there, right? I mean, he's he's getting up there in age, but he still puts on a good show, huh? Oh, he's he's retired. We had tickets for a year before, and he hurt his neck, and he had surgery. Yeah. And then um and he came back out after the surgery was over and like a year later we kept our tickets yeah. and it, it was mind blowing. So anyway. Yeah. That's, so that's great that's a great got. memory. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Uh William is on five fifty and one oh seven one KTSA, Jack Riccardi show. Hi, William. Hey Jack. This is David Essex from about nineteen seventy three, rock on. Hey Shadow, summertime blue, jump up and down in your blue suede shoes. Hey, did you rock and roll, did you? And where do we go from here? Which is the way that we're still looking for that blue jean baby queen, the prettiest girl I ever seen, senior shake on the movie screen, Timmy Dean, James Dean. That rock is on. a fantastic, yeah, that is a fantastic song. You're right. Essex, rock on. Very good. Thank you, William. Good choice. Uh, 210-599-5555. Uh, this one's from uh, Andrea. Lying here in the darkness, 
I hear the sirens wail. Somebody's going to emergency. Somebody's going to jail. And at first I thought that was the Eagles. I had associated it with the Eagles. But it's actually, it's a Don Henley song, New York Minute, which I remember playing on the radio when it came out. It's a fantastic song. Nobody plays it anymore. They play Boys of Summer and, you know, End of the Innocence. New York Minute was a fantastic song. Uh, two, and nobody plays piano in the dark anymore. I've got a beef with the music radio people about that, too. Brenda Russell, great song. Uh, 210-599-5555. All right, so one line. Just give me one line. Best line from a song, single line from a song that you've ever heard. James is next on KTSA. Hi, James. Hey, Jack. I've got one. Um, I can't sing it for you, <laughs> but I... Nope, I think we lost him. I'm sorry, James. We <laughs> I didn't get it. It get cut out. Call me back if you can. Um Kara is on KTSA. Hi, Kara. Hi. Hey. Uh once I rose above the noise and illusion just to catch a glimpse beyond my illusion, I was soaring ever higher, but I flew too high. Uh, carry on my wayward son. Yep. Yes. Kansas. Got it. Kansas. What do I win? Got it. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Great song. One of the that best a... guitar solos yeah. ever created. I gotta say. Yeah. That is. A, that really yeah, is a great song. Favorite. Yeah. That really yeah. is. Um. They they, yeah. they had they had two big hits. They had carry on my wayward son, and they had dust in the wind, and both of them are are beautifully written. Uh, songs very different. Um, a lot of people sent me a lyric, but didn't say who it was by. So I feel like all day today I've been like playing a contest, you know, because I'm trying to guess them. Uh, this one's from uh, Matt. She's got a smile that seems to me reminds me of childhood memories, and I know that's a Guns and Roses song. Maybe "Sweet Child of Mine." Maybe that sound right. Uh, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Um, I'm not eligible to win the prizes because I work here. Uh, Jan is on KTSA. Hi, Jan. Hi. How are you doing, Jack? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Well, I had I had one when you first started this segment about <laughs> I can't drive fifty five. <laughs> oh yeah. Couple calls. <laughs> a couple calls back got my got my one song. So I'll just say. Um, uh, if you're wondering where this song is leading to, I'd like to make it with you. Oh, bread! There's bread again. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah, so many good, it. so many good songs. David Gates and Bread. You have Guitar Man and uh, Make It oh, With yeah. You and Diary. Yeah, so so many really good yeah. ones. That's a great choice. Thank you, Jan. Appreciate it. Um, here's Danny. Nothing that matters comes easy, and nothing that comes easy ever really matters. Rick Springfield. Who knew Rick Springfield could be that deep? 210-599-5555. We're talking for, about uh, your favorite l- line from a song. It can be any uh, any kind of music or any era. Um, it may it may be rock. It may be country. It may be something else. Maybe a maybe a show tune. Uh, getting a lot of uh, a lot of Billy Joel, uh, a lot of Eagles. Um, and and again, some of them I, I I look at it if they email me, I'm like looking at it, I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds familiar. I'm not sure who that who that was. 
210-599-5555. Let's get to Paul here next on KTSA. Hi, Paul. Hey, Jack. Uh, this one is uh, from uh, Randy Travis. On one hand, I could stay and be your loving man, but the reason I must go is on the other hand. Oh, wow. Which song is that? On the Other Hand by Randy It's Travis. called On the Other Hand? Okay. On the Other Hand. Uh-huh. When I when I think of him, I always think of Forever and Ever, Amen. Yep, that's right. That has so many that's great really lines, too. too. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good, that's a really good choice. That's, that's deep. Paul, thank you. Uh, Mike is on KTSA, Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Good, uh, how are you? Sharon says, uh, God's coloring book with uh, Charlie Pride and uh, Dolly Parton's. Oh, I'm sorry. And what was the what was the line from the song again? Uh, just God's coloring book. Oh, that's the is that the name of the song? That's the name of the song and the line gotcha. from it that's repeated. And the line from it, God's coloring book. Okay, I guess we're all in that book, right? That was from Sharon, but Mike says uh, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Marilyn Monroe, I think it was about 1953. There you go. All right. Thank you for two of them. Thank you, Mike. Um, Thank you. I, was a little, I got I got a little I got a little confused there for a minute about, uh, but he was I guess he was refer, he was relating somebody else's and then and then his. I'm easily confused. You don't have to work hard at it. A lot of great lines from that man. You could pretty much limit yourself to B.B. King, and you'd have a ton of them. Uh, this half hour, the results on our J.R. poll question. We're going to see how you uh, voted on the question about uh, did the public health people know they were lying about the COVID-19 jab? 210-599-5555. So the, the lyric, my get up and go done get up and went is both an Aerosmith lyric and an Ernest Tubb lyric, but not the same song for the gentleman that called earlier. That's probably some variation of it is in a lot of other songs too, I guess. And you can, if, if your favorite line of all time from any song, one line, favorite music line, if, if it is, if someone's already said it, you can still, you can still have it. You don't have to change to another one. So it's allowed. I mean, you know, you can, so these 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 lyrics can get more than one vote. Uh, 210-599-5555. We're talking about your all-time favorite line or lyric from a song. How about this one? Some people call me the space cowboy. <laughs> Steve Miller. That whole song... Um, is which is uh, the Joker is is kind of Steve Miller making fun of himself and making fun of his fame, and he has a word in that song. We did a segment on this years ago. He has a word in that song that people have argued and debated as to whether or not it's a it's a real word. So he says, "Some people call me the Space Cowboy. Some people some call me the Gangster of Love. Some people call me Maurice because I speak of the pompous of love." And according to the man himself, 
He just made it up. So, But it's a good word. I mean, I think we should use it. Mario is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hey, Mario, what's your favorite line from a song? Hey, Steve, I got, uh, check this one out. Everybody's got their dues and life to pay. Hmm. I mean, that's true, but who's, what is that from? I, I don't remember that one. Errol Smith, Dream On. From Dream On, okay. All right, very good. Thank you, Mario. Appreciate it. I think he called me Steve. That's okay. I don't mind. I'm just wondering who Steve is. He did call you Steve. Did he call me Steve? I thought mm-hmm. he called me Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I get called a lot of things. <laughs> Usually I know, where, you know, like I can connect it to something, but I don't know. Steve. Uh, Jeff is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Jack. Yeah, I got a good line for you. See if you can remember this one. Okay. Uh, can't help about the shape I'm in. Can't sing I ain't pretty and my legs are thin. Might not give the answer you might want me to. No, sorry, I got that wrong. Might not give the answer that you want me to. Well, you're stumping me on that one. I, I really don't so, remember it. So, actually, it's a popular glue uh, back in the 70s, so it's a Fleetwood Mac song. But oh. who wrote the song? Who wrote the song? Well, Early I, I Fleetwood don't know. Mac. Okay. Peter Green. Peter Green, one of the founding yeah. members of Fleetwood Mac. Which what, do you remember the name of the song? Because I'm trying to remember that one. Yeah, it's, it's it's Oh Well. Oh Well. Okay. I love Fleetwood Mac, but I'm not by any means an expert on it. So that's that's a new one on me. But good good choice. And Jeff, thank you. Yeah, that's another band. So many great lines and lyrics from Fleetwood Mac. And again, we a ton of people mentioning the Eagles. Uh, this one is from uh, Barry. On a dark desert highway, cool wind in my hair. Hotel California. That's one of those songs that not only has great lines in it, but people love to delve into, you know, what is it really about? Is it just a song or is it is there deep meaning? And the Eagles were one of those bands. They'll get they'll hit you with a song that's that's loaded with meaning, and then they'll hit you with a song that's just a bunch of lines that you know, that rhyme. Steely Dan is like that too. Every every Steely Dan song Seems like it should have meaning, but they've said in interviews, yeah, some of these songs, we don't know what they're about. <laughs> they've been on the radio for 50 years. Yeah, we don't know what they're about. Uh, ben is next on KTSA as we talk about your favorite line from a song. Hi, Ben. Hey, Ben. Uh, hey, Ben. Hey, Jack. Or, uh, Steve, like the other guy said. Uh, I love your show, man. Um, I got a, You said you had something on your mind every time you heard it, but do uh, you remember mm-hmm, him? from the Bundys. Anyway, you know how he's... But uh, the songs that I was... Uh, the song that I was thinking of is um, uh, I'm Lost. I'm So Lost. I Don't Know How. Uh, it Hurts to Care. I'm Going Now. Ooh, I don't know that one. And uh, there's another one. Uh, well, who, where, where is that one from? That's uh, Alice in Chains. Oh, okay. The, I, mean, I never really got into them, called, uh, so I didn't. I didn't know that one. Yeah, uh, kind of grunge. Like if yeah, you yeah. want to put you know they were they were back Nirvana and all those days. Right. But um, I remember the other one. Uh, this one's it just it's uh, it's really good because it just tells a little you know 
Uh, but it says, um, it says, uh, let me see real quick. I... Hold on, I'm sorry. God dang it, I had it right here. <laughs> That's all right, Ben. But really, this is about like song lyrics that you just you know them by heart. I mean, you you, you know, it's just, it's got to be one that's like in your in your head. I mean, it's got to be if this is your favorite, this is your favorite lyric. You should just know it, and um, you don't feel the, don't feel the need to look one up or anything. I'm just, and you may not have one. I mean, it's okay, it's totally fine if you don't have one. But this should be a, a lyric that you, once you heard it. It kind of stayed with you, and I've had people today write to me. I can't read all these, but people have said, you know, I, I used this line in a love letter to my future wife, or I you know, uh, said this uh, when I was proposing, which as long as you attribute, I think is okay, right? Put some quotes on there. Uh, you can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. I mean... Who else could sing that but the Bee Gees, right? I mean, who, who's going to pull that line off? Can you can't even say that now. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. Welcome to the twenty to the twenty first century, Bee Gees. Go ahead and explain that now. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Um, I've always liked. I, I I think they're they're like crazy lyrics, but I've always liked Warren Zevon lyrics. Like Werewolf in London just has so many great. Like nonsense lines. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. <laughs> I mean, you could see it. The minute he sings it, you see it. But it's nuts. It's insane, right? Why? Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. <laughs> I love that he rolls the R. All right. Um, J.R. Pohl, do you think that public health officials told what they knew were lies about the COVID-19 jab? 79% said yes. 21% said no. And a new J.R. Pohl question tomorrow when we get started at 4. Find it anytime at KTSA.com and find our show anytime. Uh, whole episode podcasts by pulling down the on-demand tab at ktsa.com. Talking about uh, that song line, single line, that is your all-time favorite, and Lori is on KTSA. Hi, Lori. Hi, how you doing, Jack? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm going with Cher, if I could turn back time. Which line in that song do you like? that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Good enough. Yeah, that's a cool song. I remember when, when that came out, um, not only was it a big hit, but it impressed me. That was probably for for months, that was the most requested song um, on the radio station I worked at. And sometimes that told you more about a song than anything. Yeah, that we, we could not play that song often enough for people. Like in, I think it was what, like 1988 or 89, something like that. But yeah, great, great song by Cher. If I could turn back time, I mentioned earlier uh, Glenn Campbell in Wichita Lineman, uh, the line, I need you more than want you, and I want you for all time. And that song was written by Jimmy Webb, and there's a great story behind it because Jimmy Webb 
had written by the time I get to Phoenix. And the record company, this is something he has said in interviews and in a book that he wrote. Um, the record company, thinking like a record company, said, you know, you should do another song with a geographical reference. And to Jimmy Webb, the songwriter, that seemed gimmicky, and he didn't want to do it. Um, so he didn't want to do another geographical song. But he had the experience of driving, and he had been driving. This was way in the past, not at this moment. But he remembered a trip across the panhandle of Oklahoma and the flat terrain. And you could see on a hot summer day with the heat shimmering off the road, uh, the telephone poles were all you could see. And as he was driving along, he looked up and there was a man on top of one of those poles. And in a flash, of course, he was gone. He was past him. And he said, I, I, it stayed with me for miles and miles afterwards. It was vivid and, and cinematic. And it just was, it was that everyman guy we all see working everywhere, doing his job, just doing his thing. And so he wrote the lyric or lyrics for Wichita Lineman. And it's obviously about way more than that. It's a song that Glenn Campbell uh, said made him cry the first time that he read the sheet music. And let's leave you with that tonight because it is a beautiful song. And in so many ways, with so many great lines, including my favorite, here's Glenn Campbell and Wichita Lineman. See you tomorrow. for the county. And I drive the main road Searching in the sun for another overload I hear you singing in the wire I can hear you through the wire And the Wichita line is still on the line I know I need a small vacation But it don't look like rain And if it snows that stretch down south Won't ever stand straight and I need you more than for you And I want you for all time And the Wichita lineman Is still on the And I need you more than want you And I want you for all time and the witch is